Uh, we're going to be uh, getting into this passage and digging into it. Uh, John chapter, I'm going to ask you to stand with me for just a little bit. John chapter 21. And uh, what we're doing is we're continuing our series on stewardship as it relates to your finances. And you can't really talk about finances without talking about work. And uh, you, can't talk about, uh, you can't talk about that without talking about work. And so you've got to get into what does Bible say about that and what is the right approach to it. And I will tell you that oftentimes the way that work is looked at is almost like an inconvenience to ministry. It's like it's in the way of what God wants to do. And I don't know that the Bible sees it that way. I think, I think what God does, He takes whatever is in your life, and if you want to eat, you got to work. And so if you, if, if you have a job, and you ought to if you're able-bodied, uh, if you have a job, then, then you need to understand there's a way to approach your job. There, there's, there's two different extremes. One extreme is my job is my God. It is my priority, my career, my, my savings, my, my uh, uh, being known in the community, my status, my financial well-being. That's number one. The other extreme is I don't really care. It doesn't really matter. It's kind of in the way of what I think God wants me to do. And look, if God makes you somehow independently wealthy, you never have to work a day, again a day in your life, then God bless you. Tithe, please tithe, all right? Uh, but, but, that's, that, but I'll say this, that's not most of us. Can we agree on that? So you're going to be going to work more than likely. Most of you are going to work tomorrow. How are you supposed to approach it? And you may go, this is kind of a weird passage in, in, in uh, uh, Pastor Adrian to look at, but I think there's a lot to learn here. All right, so we're going to kind of take a real practical approach tonight. It's going to feel kind of preachy more than it does teachy, but hopefully you learn some things along the way as well. Uh, John 21, and look if you would at verse number 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. Not being a funny guy here, but that word again means it's not the first time he's revealed himself after the resurrection, all right? Uh, he first shows up to Mary Magdalene, then he shows up to the disciples, and uh, this is one of the other times after those first events where he reveals himself after the resurrection. This is another one of those events. Now, I'll say this. Uh, he shows up to about 500 plus people and, and is, is alive and well after the resurrection for a number of weeks. Now, if the Lord is, is doing that, only certain amounts of those instances are recorded, I would say those instances are kind of a big deal in the Bible. You ought to note them and realize where they're at. This is one of them. And what God shows us through this event is kind of important. So look, if you would, at verse number two. There were, therefore, there were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Now, let's say you get to heaven and you meet John. And you were the two other disciples. You'd be like, dude, was it that hard to write my name out? <laughs> like, what's the deal, man? You know, uh, but that's what he writes. So there it is. Simon Peter said unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught, big drum roll, nothing. Goose egg. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith to them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast, therefore, and shock, gasp, and awe. <laughs> they did what he said, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, 
it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat on him, for he was naked, and did cast himself in the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship. You see, Peter's so excited, he's going to swim the shore. He's not even quite dressed appropriately. He's just going to jump in the water and get there. All right, there's no ladies around, just a bunch of dudes, a bunch of gross fishermen, you know. Uh, like when guys go out in the wilderness and do guy things, you know. And so he's there, kind of naked, and jumps in the water, is all excited to see the Lord. And it says, uh, other disciples came in a little ship, verse 8, for they were not far from land, but it was uh, 200, they were about 200 cubits. That's about 350 feet. Uh, that would be about the length of a football field, dragging the net with fishes. As soon as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon and bread. I have a question. Didn't they go fishing to get food? Did the Lord need their food? But look at verse 10. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. You know, you know, the Lord doesn't need your stuff. He's got it already. But He wants to see that you're willing to acknowledge that you got it from Him. Uh, look, look at verse number 11. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, 153. God keeps count even if you're not. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Uh, Brother Joe, if you'd ask the Lord's blessing, what we're going to learn tonight. Amen. Amen. Yes. Bless it, Lord. Bless it, Lord, please. Amen. Amen. Um, let, me, let me help you out a little bit. Uh, some of you may have already experienced this. If you haven't yet, you might be doing this next couple of days. Uh, what happens during a revival? And I kept wondering, Lord, why do you want to preach about work? I mean, we just got all this great stuff about our relationship with you and how good it is to walk with you. Keep that fire kindled and, you know, learn to pray and, and, and have a real walk and, and genuine conversation with the Lord. Not make it canned and, Lord, thank you for this and bless this and bless that. But to be specific, all the great stuff that we learn and, and all the stirring up. You know what Peter said? Peter says this, I think it is meet while I'm in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. It's not even stuff that you didn't know. It's stuff that you knew that you forgot and you aren't doing. Amen? And what does God do with that? He revives you through that. But you know what happens after revival? Monday. Am I right about that? You're like, oh, man, I can't wait to witness everything that moves, including stuff that doesn't. And if someone sits long enough, I'll talk to them. It doesn't matter. A light pole. I'll talk to a light pole, Lord, if you want me to. I'll witness to anything. Lord, I'll give you everything I got. And then Monday morning comes, and you're like, I got to go to work. I got to go back to my job. I had this boss that I can't stand. I got to do this. I got to do that. I've got, now listen, some of you go, my job, some of you may go, my job stinks. 
You know who can actually say that with a straight face? Brother Felix. He's throwing trash all day. It stinks, amen? All right, listen, but everyone's got a different job. We all got stuff to do. Now, now here's what happens. You got revival, you're all charged, you're on cloud nine, you're on the mountaintop, and then Monday comes and boom, you're way down here. You're like, God, I just want that fire back. And here's what you don't realize. The same God that shows up during that meeting wants to show up at work. And the problem is you limit the Holy One of Israel. The Bible says over in the Old Testament about about Moses talking about the people of God, they limited uh, the Holy One of Israel. You say, what does that mean? We kind of withdrew God's hand of blessing from what he wanted to put in our lives. Why? Because we had our preconceived ideas of how God should work. God can work at the altar, and God can work behind the pulpit. And listen, I'm going to be real honest with you. Uh, as a preacher that works a secular job, uh, years ago, there used to be a lot of pressure on preachers. I'm noticing they're lightening up. You know what they're realizing? They're realizing, man, in today's economy, with inflation, and this, and this, and this, you know what? Some preachers are going to have to do some side hustles. They're going to have to work. So guess what? As a preacher, I know firsthand that sometimes the tendency is, here's my secular job, here's my ministry. But in God's eyes, they're all ministry. It's all His. And so when you come off a revival, it's like, man, I got all this spiritual stuff, but then there's all this carnal stuff I've got to do. God wants to take the carnal stuff of your life and show you that it matters to Him. Let me ask you a question. Doesn't the Bible say the wages of sin is death, but the gift of is eternal life? You know that verse, right? You know what else the Bible says uh, the gift of God is over in Ecclesiastes? Your labor. It's like, I like this over here. Like, that makes sense. That's the gift of God. But this over here, God, I don't know what kind of gift it is, but you can take it back. Lord, this is your idea of a gift. I don't want it. Like, that's how we look at it. And God's going, no, I've given this to you. I recognize Ecclesiastes is looked at as life under the sun. I get it. It is not New Testament doctrine. You don't go there to learn about the afterlife. You don't go there to learn about uh, spiritual blessings in Christ. But you can go there to learn about earthly things. One of the things it talks about is work. Let me ask you a question. When Peter gets in that boat and he says, I go fishing, is he not going back to a job? The way this is often, and I've preached it before, is Peter is not walking with the Lord. We get that. He's denied the Lord. We get that. And he's going back to this job. And it's kind of like what he knows. But let me ask you a question. Is it sinful to throw a net? Is it sinful to go fishing? I'll tell you what is sinful, to give me a picture before church and look at this giant fish that I caught. I'm like, man, how much did I weigh that way? And he goes on and on. Then he tells me, I bought it. It's a pillow. It's not even a real fish. All right? That's sinful to lie about the fish you catch. But it's not sinful to go fishing. It's not sinful to work. As a matter of fact, what God is really good at is taking the things that we look at as carnal and God taking them and turning them to something that has eternal value in them. And so Peter says, I go fishing. What's he going to do? He's going back to an occupation. Now, you could, you could have an entire message about how Peter was backslidden and out of the will of God and, and how he basically goes back to his comfort zone, and we preached that before here, but I don't want to do that tonight. I just want to talk about what he did. What did he do? He went and he worked. But let me ask you this. Did he have a full net? Not when he did it on his own. So, so, so listen, the, the Bible talks about those that, that have not, and yet they have great riches, and they that have great riches, and they have not. 
And, and you know what that is? It's the, the analogy is like putting something in a, in a net that's broken, and it's just slipping out as you're throwing it out. And I'm going to tell you right now, God does not have a problem with you working. God doesn't have a problem with you having drive and ambition. Let, let's go through some verses about, about work, shall we? Let's do a little bit of Bible study before we get into preaching. Uh, look at um, Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs 14. Let's look at the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is given uh, uh, to, uh, to give wisdom, to have understanding of things. And there's great wisdom and knowledge and understanding you can gain from the book of Proverbs. Now, now it's, it's an interesting thing because of this. We, again, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to take a survey tonight, but I know this. After you have a spiritual high, you just don't want to deal with reality. And God wants to work with your reality. All the stuff you just learned about, it wasn't like, man, we're just going to live at church and, you know, we're going to stay here all the time. We're going to pray all the time. We're going to, that, that's not the real Christian life. Paul was a tent maker. Let me ask you guys a question real quick. Over there in the book of Acts, you don't have to turn anywhere right now. You are have you going somewhere else. But over in the, in the early part of Acts, as you're in Proverbs, uh, does it not talk about people bringing to the apostles the, the, the money from the land that they sold? So people are bringing, let's say, the equivalents of maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars, and they're laying at the apostles' feet. You go, oh, man, the church has all this kind of money. Yeah, but what they did with it was deal with the needs of others, and they were blessing the others. And furthermore, Acts chapter number 1, 2, and 3, that church in Jerusalem, can I ask you guys a question? A little, little uh, 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 fact check here. Did they not get disbanded? So where'd the money go? It's all gone, man. You know why? After that, they're running for their lives, Acts chapter 8. So Peter, I'm trying to get you to think a little bit. Peter, this is not probably the last time that Peter has to go fishing. Does this make sense? He's probably going to have to work again. And I want you to get that God does not have a problem with fish. We're going to see that by the end of this thing. I understand the, the way it's presented oftentimes that, that, that basically Peter fell in love with the fish and that was more important than the Lord. We're going to get to that. But, but understand, God does not have a problem with fish. All right, let me put it to you this way. The net is like your ability to work. And if you've got it, you better thank God for it. All right, uh, uh, the ship is your job. It's going to take you where God wants you to go. And I'm going to forget, years ago, I don't even know if you know this or not, you might have been not born or a baby or diapers ring, I don't know, I had no idea. But his dad preached a message decades ago uh, down in Pensacola, and he preached about camels. And he said, they're gnarly, they're ugly, they're stinky, they're just, uh, nobody wants camels, they're just, they spit, they're gross. And, and he, talked about, he, just, he talked about camels for about 20 minutes, and he said, you know what, some of you look at your job as, as your camel. You don't like it, but it can take you somewhere. <laughs> And he preached an entire message about jobs and work. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. As a 20-something, I'm going, where are we going? What does this have anything to do? I want to hear about, you know, fighting giants and overcoming. And, and now, decades removed, I'm like, now I get it. Now I get it. Because we tend, to spirit, we tend to go, this is the spiritual stuff, and this is the carnal stuff. And God's going, it's all supposed to be spiritual because I'm a spirit. I, God is a spirit, and the spirit of God's in you, and you're in him, and he wants to take things in your life and make them apply for eternal value. So, so, so Peter, in this passage, he's fishing. We learn all about that. I don't think this is the last time he has to fish. If Paul has to make tents, and Aquila and Priscilla have to make tents alongside of Paul, let me ask you a question. Don't you think it was probable that Peter had to work again? God didn't have a problem with the work. He didn't have a problem with the fish. 
We don't learn about what God had a problem with. Uh, but I'll just say this. Peter had big plans that night. Nobody gets up and goes, I'm going to go fishing, and I hope to catch nothing. Nobody does that. And nobody says, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and, and, and I'm gonna, I, you know what people do? They go, I've got plans. I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to do something. And I'm going to show you that's not a problem. But I'm going to tell you this. If you don't have what we end up with at the end, you're going to find yourself with empty nets. And, and Peter does. Look at Proverbs 14. Look at verse number 23. Proverbs 14, verse 23. In all labor, there is profit. But the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. You know what profit is? Profit is something left over when it's all said and done. You might remember the analogy of the uh, unprofitable servant. The Lord goes to one guy and he says, okay, take my talent. And the guy buries it, right? And when the, guy, when the Lord comes back, he says, you wicked and slothful servant. It was the one that took the two talents that gained two more. And the one that took the five talents and gained five more that God said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. All right, you say, what was that? They gained a profit. All right, in all, uh, in all labor, there is profit. Look at Proverbs chapter number 12. Go back a little bit. Proverbs 12. Proverbs 12. You know what I, I want you to get? You should work harder than anyone else at work. You should be the person, the man or the woman at the office or at the job site or wherever else you're working, that when they know they can count on someone, you're it. You should not be like, well, you know, I've got my uh, church. If it's ministry, I'll be there. But like when it comes to the job, I'll be late and I'll be the last person they count on. Let me tell you something right now. If that's how you treat your job, we don't want you serving in this church. And you may say that's pretty harsh. I'm being honest with you. you. If you're not faithful in the little things, why would God commit to you the souls of men? Look at Proverbs 12 and look at verse 24. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule. But the what shall be under tribute. Look at Proverbs 12, verse 27. A couple verses later. The what man? Roasteth not that which he took in hunting. In other words, he got up. He took the time, the time to sit in the deer stand. He put his camo on, his ghillie suit, as he talked about the other day. He, you know, got everything in scope. And man, whether it was a, a bow thing or whether it was, you know, his rifle, he took that animal out. He gets it, the animal falls down and he goes... Oh, man, it's a lot of work to skin this thing, carry this thing, cook this thing. It's just way too much. I just don't want to do it. You know what God says about that? You're slothful, and you're missing out. Look at Proverbs chapter number 15. What I, what I want you to see is this. God wants you to have ambition and to be diligent. It's not wrong to be ambitious and diligent with your work. The problem is if all your ambition and all your diligence goes into work, but you then say, with that, you know what, this is where it all stops, and I'm doing this for me, and the motive is for me, and it's not for God. God has a problem with that. God does not have, listen, I'll say it like this. I think sometimes we sell young people short by convincing, I don't think our church has done this, but I've seen this done in other churches where you're really important if you go in the ministry. If you go to Bible school, you matter. But if you go to trade school, no one cares. If that's what God wants you to do, it matters to God. And it's just as important. Because listen, if you can be a plumber for Jesus Christ, you don't think God's going to open up doors with an honest, uh, diligent, faithful plumber who doesn't take advantage of people on prices? You don't think you have a chance to witness when you don't think you're going to stand out? Because I think you absolutely will. And if that's what God wants you, it matters to him. So the idea is this. You ought to be ambitious. You ought to have some drive. But it should not just be for yourself. 
That's the vehicle, not the destination, as we talked about. Look at Proverbs 15, verse 19. Proverbs 15, verse 19. The way of the what? Is in hedge of thorns. But the way of the righteous is made plain. Do you see the contrast in Proverbs? Slothfulness is not righteousness. And so, listen, you are, there, there's no, it, it is a good thing to have drive and ambition with your work. Look at Proverbs chapter 18. Look at Proverbs 18. Let's keep going with this. Proverbs 18, verse number 9. Right? This is midweek Bible. So we get a little bit of verse study in here, right? Uh, Proverbs 18, verse 9. He also that is what? In his what? Is brother to him that is a great waster. That's what God says about that. Now, you may go, well, if it's for church and if it's for God, your job is for God. That's the whole point. So you should be the one leading going, listen, I'll be here early if I got to be here early. It doesn't mean it becomes your God, but it does mean as it relates to doing the best that I can do, I'm going to do it to the best that I can do for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. Look at Proverbs chapter 19, Proverbs 19. Proverbs 19, look at verse 24. A what man? Slothful man hideth his hand in his bosom and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. Almost like, man, it's just so much work to have to move. You guys ever watch a sloth? We were in Bolivia and they would have sloths in the like public parks and it was just amazing. And I'm, I'm going fast. This is like fast forward right now. Like they move so slow. And listen, I think there's, there's wisdom moving slow when, you don't, when, when you're not sure of what God wants you to do. But when God has said, here's the instruction, man, move. <laughs> and over and over and over in the book of Proverbs, there's all these warnings. I want you to look at one last one. Look at Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24. Oh, preacher, I just, I want to, I want to be revived. I'm trying to help you stay revived. And I'm trying to let you understand that there is no, like, in God's mind, there's no separation between the secular and the spiritual, all right? Look at Proverbs chapter 24. Look, if you would, at verse number 30. I went by the field of the, and by the vineyard of the man, void of understanding. Look at, he connects slothfulness with a lack of understanding. That's God. That's his commentary on it. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns, and nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall there was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Do you realize you ought to take care of the things that God gives you? Uh, some people may laugh. I, I'll be honest with you. When I walk in the church, I want it to be clean. You say, why? Because I think God deserves that. Like, that's what we ought to do. That's what, not, not what we deserve, but God deserves that. And if God entrusts us with stuff, it is a matter of us being diligent with it. Look, if you would, at verse number 32. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received what? That's the idea. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding the hands to sleep. So shall thy what? Poverty comes when the traveling and thy want as an armed man. Now, I'll be careful when I say this. Uh, listen, if God wants you to be, uh, pover- uh, have poverty, then take it. And, and, and do it and take that with whatever God gets. If God puts you in a position of poverty, then you should take it as from God's hand and you should trust him in that poverty. Amen, no problem saying that at all. But I'm also going to say this. If you have poverty because of a lack of diligence, that's not God. Don't spiritualize it. 
and, and I recognize that you can go too far with all this stuff, but generally in the book of Proverbs, you understand this, poverty is oftentimes associated with slothfulness. I'm not saying every person that has experienced poverty is lazy and that's why they're, I didn't say that. But I'm going to tell you, in the book of Proverbs, it's generally associated with that. Because the general rule of thumb is this. If you are willing to do what God says to do, I'm going to be careful how I present this, prosperity is connected with diligence. Now, one thing you got to understand is this. We are dealing with a dispensational issue from Old Testament to New Testament. No doubt, as it relates to some things you read about in the Old Testament, about being prosperous. I get that. However, there's things in Proverbs that are trans-dispensational. Let me ask you a question for those of you that want to rightly divide this out of your Bible. Uh, do you still believe there's differences between men and women? Yes. You still believe there's differences between a dad and a mom and all that? Because it's biblical, right? Okay, well, that's Old Testament. Yep. But it transcends, right? Like you see that, that principle, and the idea is this. You should not be aiming for prosperity. You should be aiming for diligence. And if God prospers you in that, then you ought to give him the honor and glory. And if God puts you through poverty after you've done what you could do, you give him the honor and glory. The, it's not so much about the outcome as much as, li- listen, your character, this is what matters to God. Are you slothful or are you diligent? And, and look, this is going to spread every area of your life. If you think, well, this is just my work. No, no, no. You'll approach the Bible the same way. You'll approach ministry the same way. You'll be faithful when you want to and you won't when you don't. And you know what people say all the time? Listen, when someone comes and they go, Pastor, I'd like to get involved in this ministry, I say, praise the Lord. And when someone's new around here, I don't know them, I say, hey, just get to know the church. You say, why? Because, man, we want to see what you're made of. Oh, I'm sorry, is that too close? Is that, is that, sorry, I shouldn't say that. This bothers me. Sorry, this isn't, this isn't bothering me for a moment because everybody gets all weird and quiet. You go to a job interview and you got to convince them to hire you. And you got to go through your, your job experience. This is my education. This is my certification. And this is what I did. And here's how I can make the company better. And you come to church like, well, whoever raises their hand gets to do whatever they want. That's not biblical. Listen, there ought to be some character in your life that reflects, I will be faithful and you can count on me. You know one of the vehicles that God uses to test that? Your job. Your job. Do you call out? <laughs> Uh, oh, well, well, I stayed up late street preaching, so it's okay. No, it's not. No, it's not. You made a commitment to your job. Get your butt out of bed. You go, well, I'm tired. Okay. All right. Well, that, that's life. <laughs> well, I'm trying to get you to understand, like, like this is what God is going to test in your life to help you in so many areas that you don't, you don't realize it. And like I said at the beginning of this thing, I think oftentimes what we do is we go, well, if someone has any kind of desire or ambition to achieve anything in life, that's of the devil. Where is that in your Bible? Uh, how, how about you have ambition and desire and drive, but you commit it to the Lord? You see, God can use that. God can use that. Now, here's the question. When someone has the will and they got desire... And man, they're like, okay, I've got direction, and I'm being diligent, but I don't have any fish. What's the problem? Well, I want to help you out with that. Because I'll tell you this, one of the most frustrating things is doing something over and over and over, and you've got nothing to show for it. You ever been there? Now, sometimes you've got to understand, that's part of the Christian life. That's just reality. But I'm going to say this, work isn't bad, it's a good thing. It keeps you out of trouble. Uh, people that don't work, the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, that they're oftentimes busybodies. Work is how God describes the ministry. You ever consider that? 
He describes it as oxen carrying a burden, Galatians chapter number 6. So so God is not anti-work. He wants us to work. It's what we do with it that makes all the difference in the world. Peter was not sinning by saying, I'm going to go fish. He wasn't. It was the motive behind his fishing. It was what was driving the fishing. You know, we have this, uh, we have our overcomers ministry. You know one of the things I think is missing? This is how psychology deals with this. Well, your dad was a drunk, so you're a drunk, and you were raised this way, and therefore you have this problem. How about this? How about the real reason that you keep going back to whatever it is you're going back to? I'll be careful we got mixed company. But I know some, some young men that struggle with looking at things online. You know when they turn to that? When they feel rejection from a live human being. So they turn to that. Well, you know what that is? It's a cheap substitute. You've got to ask yourself, why are you going to that? Well, because I feel rejected. Well, why is, all, why is the question not just what? Well, I need to dig into that. Well, well, if I could figure out, like, that the rejection is not against me. I'm in Christ. Like, I'm accepted in the beloved. I got my acceptance. I, that rejection is not the most important thing to me. And by the way, I'm rejected by a live person. I'm turning this virtual thing. None of this, any, this doesn't even make sense. And yet I'll seek it yet again. So, so you got to dig. It's not just a matter of what, it's why. Peter's issue wasn't fishing. It wasn't work that God's a problem with. It was the motive, it was the thing that was driving him to that at that moment. You say, what was he? He was down on himself. You know, he said, I'm at least good at this. Can, can, can I tell you what, though? As good as he was and as much experience as he had, how, much, how many fish did he land on his own? I'm going to tell you right now, God doesn't have a problem with you having ambition and drive, but if your goal is to become rich, the Bible says they that will be rich, that's their desire, that's the end goal for them, they fall in a foolish and hurtful lust. Let me give you a couple thoughts here real quick, and we'll go, go back to John chapter 21. John 21. Back to our main passage. Let's give you a couple thoughts. Uh, let me just say this. If, if you want to avoid having an empty net, now some of you have kids that are growing and leaving the house, and you are all about having an empty nest. You're like, that's cool. We're not talking about empty nests. We're talking about empty nets, all right? Uh, look at John chapter 21, John 21, and look, if you would, at verse number three. Can I ask you a real simple question in verse three? Read it real quick. Simon says, I go fishing. Does Simon pray? Do you know how many times I've watched Christians impulsively take a job they never prayed about? I had to do it. Like, when you say you had to do it, did, like, someone have a gun to your head? Like, what do you mean you had to do it? Well, my situation was desperate. Okay. I'm going to tell you right now, if God's blessing's not on it, you're going to find yourself with an empty net. There's no prayer. There's no direction. You know what Peter is? Peter's kind of impulsive. He represents us. He really does. I mean, and that works both ways. I mean, sometimes it's great. Uh, thou art the Son of God. You know, I know, uh, uh, and, and the Lord says, flesh and blood have not revealed in thee. He's the only one that says that. When the Lord says, hey, are you guys going to go away as well? Wasn't it Peter that steps up and says, to whom shall we go? That has the words of eternal life. Isn't he the one on the Mount of Transfiguration that impulsively says, ah, I got a great idea. Three tabernacles. Let's build one for you, you, and you. And you see that and you go, well, that's a problem. It is in some cases. Here's, here's where it's a problem. Whip out that sword, chop a guy's ear off. Now, now, let me just say this. His greatest strength was his greatest weakness. When it was submitted to God, it was a wonderful thing. And when it wasn't, it destroyed people around him. 
You, you know, when you look at what Peter, I go fishing. There's nothing wrong with fishing, but man, if you're not seeking God's direction, uh, I'm up for promotion at work. What do you think, Pastor? I don't know. They're going to pay you more for it? Yeah, great, wonderful. Well, what does that mean as far as your walk with God goes? If it's a good thing, don't, don't, again, the idea that like, oh, promotion must be evil. Promotion comes from the Lord is what the Bible says. It doesn't come from the east, west, or south. It comes from the north. It comes from God. All right, if God does that, praise the Lord. But can I just say this as well? Sometimes what God does, he goes, let's see how you handle this. How impulsive are you at a race? How impulsive are you with an opportunity to minister at church? Let me give you an example. I go to you and go, hey, we're praying, you know, we're doing this ministry. Could you use your help with it? Okay, Pastor, let me pray about it. Tomorrow morning, your boss comes to you and goes, we'd like to give you five more thousand dollars. Praise the Lord. Can I, can, are, are, we, are we, you get what I'm saying? All right. So, so don't spiritualize things. I'm going to pray about it. Are you that way with your job? And I'm not, I think you should be. I mean, look, look I'll, be, I'll be vulnerable with you. When the owner of my company came to me and said, hey, I got this opportunity, blah, 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 blah. I said, number one, I am a pastor of a church. That's my calling. If it means I have to give that up, no thanks. I'm not, I'm not bragging on myself, but I'm just telling you, I was scared at that moment. The fear of God came on me, and it was like, I know this could go in a very wrong direction very fast. You know what God says? Hey, I'll bless you, but you better commit it to me first. Peter gets impulsive, and he goes, well, we're going to do this. Okay. Oh, and by the way, you ever notice a bunch of people go with him? No one asks any questions. The, uh, P- Again, Peter had great leadership quality. But can I say this? If Peter goes fishing, and he hasn't prayed about it, and you're not Peter, maybe you shouldn't get in the boat. Just saying. And can I say this as well? We all have different gifts. Everybody has the same thing. Maybe you shouldn't be fishing. There's nothing wrong with fishing, but maybe that's not for you. Why? Because that's not, you're not Peter. You understand what I'm trying to get at? And oftentimes people go, well, Peter's doing it. It's like, it's like when kids are in church together and like, well, their parents let them watch that movie, then go move in with them. <laughs> right? Like, I don't care what their parents, that's up to them. In this house, we're not doing that. Listen, Peter went, so people just kind of like lemmings went along. Can I point out, now you don't have to go there, but over in Joshua chapter 9, there's a story of the Gibeonites. Anybody remember that story? And the Gibeonites were dwellers of the land. And they show up to, the, to Joshua and the people of Israel, and they kind of act like, man, we've been traveling for so long. Look at these old clothes. I had to buy these at Goodwill. I didn't go to Park Meadows Mall. Like, these are old clothes. And, and look at these, these bottles that we carried wine in. They were, they were animal skins, and now they're all broken, and they're, they're, they're all just a mess. And look at our shoes. They're old. You know, and, and our bread, look at the bread, it's old and moldy. They had sight, sound, taste, touch, and smell, all working in their favor. And you know what Joshua does? He goes, well, looks good, sounds good, smells good, feels good. I mean, yeah, let's do it. They never prayed. And they realized later, oh, we kind of messed up there. Can, can I just say this, Christian? Whatever it is that God gives you the opportunity to do, you ought to commit it to Him first. Amen. Which means you're seeking His direction. Let, 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 me, let me say this as well in regards to this. Look, if you would, at verse number three. Never think that your ability or experience is enough. It's not. 
Uh, look at verse number three. Simon Peter said to them, I go a fishing. They said to him, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship. Everybody's excited. Let's go do this. And that night they caught what? Isn't it kind of funny how God takes us full circle sometimes in life? Do you know where Peter first, his ministry starts with the Lord? Over there in Luke 5. You know how it goes? It goes something like this. Hey, Pete, can I borrow your boat? I need to just preach to some people. All right, go, go ahead, Lord, go ahead. And he does, and he lets the Lord use his boat. That's a good thing to do, let God use your boat. And then the Lord says, hey, Pete, how about, you know, you, you, let's, let's go back out and, and let's go fish and you throw your net out. Well, I did it all night and I caught. But at your word, Lord, I'll throw it down. I'll go do it. And he does, and God blesses. Now, don't you think the creator of the universe knows where the fish are at? Don't you think Peter was kind of like, who's this preacher to like show up and tell me like how to do my job? You know who that preacher is? He's the creator of the universe. He should be able to tell you to do your job. And you know what he might do? He might say, you know what? You're pursuing something, and I don't know that that's the right thing to pursue. Or he might say, you're pursuing something. Let's keep going. Let's, let's not quit on this. Either way, it's his direction. It's his guidance. And understand, it's not your experience and your ability. It's him that blesses. And the temptation is to go, look, I know what I'm doing. I don't need God. I've got this job. You know what you have to do every single morning when you wake up and you're about to step into that, that world of work? You should say, God, I don't know what I'm going to encounter today, but Lord, it is yours. Whatever is talked about, whatever is mentioned, Lord, and every opportunity I get, I want to use it to give you honor and to give you glory. You say, what is that? I'm committing it to him. Why? Because it's not mine. It's his. Jesus grabs these guys and the Bible says, Simon, who's called Peter and Andrew, his brother, they were casting a net in the sea in Matthew 4. Why? Because they're fishers. Do you, and this is not deep. You ready? This, what do fishermen do? They fish. Right? So, so you got to understand, this is kind of part of Peter's identity. I do this because I am this. Yep. Right? Hey, can I say what, what I think the Lord is trying to show him? I don't have a problem with fish. If God had a problem with fish, you know, what, you know how the story would have ended? There'd be no fish for the rest of anyone's life. Fish fillet is gone. The mick fillet is gone. This fillet is gone. That's gone. There's no more fish. That's not the moral of the story. God blesses and gives him 153 fish. Haven't figured out exactly what that's supposed to be a picture of that number, but it's some, sure, it's some great thing in your Bible. Study it out, and you tell me later on. But I know this, 153 when they caught nothing. That's, a, that's kind of a big deal. God gave him more fish than he had at the beginning, right? So the problem's not the fish. The problem was the desire behind the fish. And the problem was the identity connected with it. Listen, you're not an accountant, Brother Sean. You are a Christian that gets to count beans. Amen. Amen? And keep people from going to jail with the IRS, right? That's your job. All right? Uh, listen, whatever your job is, uh, you're, you're an underwriter. I don't know, man. Is that what it is? All right. I know. He just, all I know is these other guys go, he's got the cushy job in the air-conditioned office. Is that? Yeah, yeah. That's all I know. Oh, the blue collar versus white collar. You know, why got to be white collar, man? What's up with that? Anyways, uh, so, sorry, I had to pick on you. I'm getting, I'm just making it for lost time. You, you're not an underwriter. You're a Christian that gets to underwrite. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a recruiter. I'm a Christian that gets to recruit. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, like that's, I, I'm not even, can I go a step further? Some of you are going to have a problem with this. I'm not a pastor. 
I'm a child of God that gets to pastor. Amen. See, when you get everything wrapped up into your job, then you forget. What, what happens when the job's not there? Yep. I lose my identity. Well, your identity wasn't in the job. Yep. It wasn't supposed to be. <laughs> it's supposed to be in Him. And regardless of where you're at or what you're doing, it's all supposed to be about Him. The idea is that it's not about your experience, your ability. It's about His. Can I give you some other thoughts here? Look at verse number three. Christian, can I encourage you to do something? Uh, question, real simple question. When did they start fishing? Verse three. What time of day? All right. When did they notice that Jesus was there? Look at verse four. How about when you're up against a critical decision, don't make it when the stuff is flying around you. How about like when everything's crazy, instead of just going, I got to do something, I got to stop. Maybe wait till morning. Can I ask you a question? Was Jesus there the whole time? It's like the, sea, it's like the storm that they experienced the Lord. The Lord tells them, I want you to go to the other side of the, of the lake. Remember that? They're not sinning. They're just doing what God told them to do. They got in the boat. That was what God told them to do. And they went. What is the Lord doing all, all night? He's praying. Question. When the wind is going on like that and the waves are crashing, are they like, man, I'm just so thankful that God is with us? yeah like lord don't you know what's going on i can't believe this like where's he at he was there the whole time they couldn't notice it christian what i'm trying to get you to understand is this tomorrow you're gonna go to work and go man i just wish i was back at church and the lord's like i'm still here and what ends up happening is you discount the fact that the lord is with you because you can't see it right now when the morning came they're like Someone's over there talking to us. And I love it, I love it, I love it that the author of the book of John is the disciple whom Jesus loved. Because John is like, the disciple whom Jesus loved, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> he had to tell Peter. I bet you Peter and him got to heaven like, huh, let's talk about your gospel, bro. <laughs> Why do you have to mention that I didn't get to the tomb first? Don't you think John was probably like, Lord, can I please put that in there? <laughs> please let me write that down. And then look at, the, look at John 20. Look at toward the end of the chapter. You know what happens? That Lord goes into telling Peter about how he's going to get old and frail and how he's going to die. And, and, and then all of a sudden Peter goes, well, what about John? And then, and then the Lord rebukes Peter. And then as John is writing this story, I was like, Lord, can I throw that one in there too? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's funny stuff. But, but, but I just need you to understand this, guys. The Lord was there the whole time. Sometimes you don't see it. until. But you know what you ought to learn to do? Maybe don't try to make a decision impulsively when things are bad. Maybe just pray and wait until the morning comes. Some of you are going to go through some financial trouble. I'm a prophet. I can see that. <laughs> it's called Americans in 2024. That's what it is. And you're going to do, i got to quit tithing. I got to take a job that gets me out of church. Yeah. Now, look, we've got some first responders and people that do stuff and they take you out of church for a period of time. It's not, we're not knocking them. They got schedules and things like that, and they're working towards the ability to have time. At, but I'm talking about people that just go willy-nilly, no thought, no prayer, no this, no that, just I got to do it. Yeah. And they're not in church. And don't, don't you tell me for a minute that when you're out of church for months at a time that you're in your Bible and getting everything that you can. No, you're not. God designed this because we need this. What, what am I getting at? The job's not the problem. You are. You are. And your lack of reliance on God 
is the problem. God doesn't have a problem with your work. He doesn't have a problem with the boat. He doesn't have a problem with the net. He doesn't have a problem with the fish. He has a problem with your attitude towards those things. Slow down. I know this. When I'm in a rush, haste makes waste. And I can make a mess of things real quick. You ever, you, you spouses, Joe, get ready. You spouses, ever, like, in passing, the kids are doing something, and baby's screaming, and this is going on, we gotta go here, we gotta get somewhere in a rush, your spouse asks you something, you didn't hear what they said, you thought they said something, so you respond, da, 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 and 30 minutes later, you're arguing about something that happened 10 years ago, Doesn't, no one knows what's going on. You say, what happened? You, you just, I gotta, but, 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 slow down. Amen. Doesn't the Bible say, slow to speak, slow to wrath, Swift to hear. Who are you supposed to be hearing from? Can I say this? When you're so busy trying to catch fish, sometimes you don't realize it's not about the fish. It's about him. You know what Peter learns? He jumps in the water, and he realizes something. Look at verse 5. Can I, you know what I want you to learn to do tonight? Allow God to question you. I love it when like Tupac Shakur is like, no one can judge me but God. He will. Yeah. Yeah. You know, right. he will. You know, no one can judge me. Okay, can, can God ask you a question about what you're doing? Yeah. Look at verse 5. Children, have you any meat? Now, <laughs> I love God's sense of humor. He's not like, man, I really wonder if they have any food. Yeah. He knows the answer. Yeah. When God asks the question, it's for your benefit, not his. He goes, hey, been working all night, huh? What'd you catch? You know how much that hurts the pride and the ego of a fisherman? Yeah. You ever go up to the lakes in Colorado and find these guys that, like, you can just tell. These, these older white guys, they got wrinkles, and they got the sun, kind of like the, the sun blotches, and the, <laughs> you know, kind of the, 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 what do you call it? Uh, 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 not moles, the, what do you call that on your skin when it starts, you get old? And, what is it? Sunspots, thank you very much. I was trying to think of the right word. I couldn't get it out. I just said sun. I said spots. And I couldn't put those things together. You get the sun spots. And you look at these guys. Man, you can tell this guy's been doing this for a long time. And you roll up there. And you come out with like your Walmart $5 fishing pole. <laughs> and he's judging you. And he's like, oh, okay, here comes one of these noobs. And then all of a sudden you're like, hey, so, so uh, how's, 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 how's the fishing going? How's it going today? Well, not, it's not good. But I think it's because of the wind, or it comes, no, 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 they start blaming everything else, you know. Now, now you know why it hurts a fisherman? Because, like, this is, I'm good at this. And the Lord goes, hey, what'd you catch? You have these big plans, how's it going? This is how my life's supposed to go. Maybe, maybe not. Can God question you? I'm not questioning you, but can he? Can he come along and say, is this, is this really what you should be doing right now? Or can he say, hey, is that all you got in the tank, or could you go a little further? Is that okay? Can God do that? Hey, you, you took this opportunity because you, you thought it would be a good deal for you, but, man, you're, you're not walking with me like you used to. Things aren't like they used to be. Can God say that to you? He ought to be able to. Children have you any meat. You know what they they need to learn to do? They need to learn to learn (laughs) the lessons. And there's some lessons that that you can see right in this passage as we're kind of closing this thing up and trying to land the plane. 
Let me give you a couple lessons real quick as we close this out. It wasn't about finding fish. It was about finding him while fishing. Your job's not about your job. And your job's actually not about you. Your job is about how you find the Lord in your job. Look at verse number 7. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, a.k.a. John, saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat on him. You know what he does? He jumps in the water and he swims to shore. Can I ask you a question? There's 153 fish in that net. It's a lot of fish. And for a fisherman who worked all night, that's like a big deal. Did you realize he jumped and left that for God? You know what he finally realized? Man, this, this wasn't, here I am working my tail off getting nothing. I have so much more fulfillment when I have him. Look at verse 9. How about this? Everything you need was already there. <laughs> um, is it me or is there already a fire started with fish and bread on the fire before they brought their fish? You know what I think the Lord did? They're out there ah, 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 all night long. And the Lord's like, here, yeah, fishy, fishy, fishy. <laughs> and that thing jumps out of the water and it's like, and it jumps right into that fire. And the Lord's like, amen, that's great. Amen. That's what you were made for, amen? amen? If you're a vegan in here, we love you, but the, meat, the fish was made for, to die, to be eaten, all right? And so, and so that fish jumps into that fire. I think that's how it happened. I, you think, I don't think the Lord was like, oh. the Lord's just like, hey, fish, yeah. Uh, and they're like, which one do you want? You, know? <laughs> you over there, you're, you're a good size. You know, he jumps out. Jumps right in that fire. I think that's what the Lord, that's all he had to do. Do you realize God, listen to me again. Uh, no, notice what happens. He doesn't need your fish. But he wants them. And do you notice what happens? Look at verse number uh, 10. Jesus said, Jesus said to them, bring of the fish which you have now caught. And man, Simon Peter just kind of got excited. And he drug that, that net to land, and there's 153, and that net, that, by the grace of God, wasn't broken. Did you know in Luke 5, the net broke? First time Peter was dealing with the Lord, it broke. This time it didn't. You know what the Lord is trying to show Peter? Hey, buddy, I've got this. And he brings that fish, and, and all of a sudden, Peter's like, oh, man, now I, check this out, I can give something back at the fire where I denied the Lord previously. I can bring something to him. From what? From the labor that I just did. And oh, by the way, notice it. The Lord feeds all the disciples with that fish. You know what God's trying to get you to see? That if you're willing to submit what God gives to you and go, Lord, this is yours. And Lord, I'm going to treat this at this job and this career and my idea for saving and my idea for this. I'm going to commit all that to you. You know what the Lord can do? He can be a blessing through your life to other people. Can I say it like this? It's all a waste without his blessing. Look at verse 12. Jesus said to them, come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? Knowing it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. What's well, my fish, Lord? No, it's not. You didn't catch anything. The only reason you have 153 is because I put them in the net. And I told you where to put your net. <laughs> and you finally listened to me. 
And so you know what the process is? The process is I take my boat and I go out there and I take my net and I look to shore and I say, Lord, how do you want this to be done? Well, I'm an expert. I know what I'm doing. Tomorrow when you go throw trash, Lord, how do you want me to do this? No, it's that complicated. I don't need to ask God. (laughs) Trash goes there, you know, like, okay. But you know what you could do? Say, Lord, this is for you. And you know what God can do? He can go, smells good to me. Yeah. You say, why? Because he just wants whatever you have. He wants to know that you're willing to take what you have and go, okay, Lord, it's yours. He doesn't have a problem with you having this stuff. He has a problem with you saying, I'm going to pursue that at the cost of my relationship with him. It wasn't, you could argue, you know, oh, well, Jesus should have been in the boat. That's the only time you should get in a boat. That's great preaching, but it's not always true. Jesus wasn't in the boat when he walked on water by them. You remember that? It was, it was like, he's not always going to be in the boat. It's a question of if you're willing to acknowledge where he's at and where you're at, and Lord, I'm willing to listen. Yep. Look at verse number 15. Christian, if you don't get anything else, get this. Look at verse number 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas. You know what I think? I think the Lord reminded him who son he was. Because that namesake also goes to a guy that ran from God and got swallowed by a whale after running from God in a boat. He's a, he, doesn't have to, he doesn't have to call him son of Jonas. He does that for a reason. Simon, son of Jonas, now watch it. Lovest thou me? What's the next word? I, I don't even think God hates the fact that you love the fish. I don't think he goes, ah, oh, you should hate fishing. I want you to be in a job that you hate. And I think you should wake up and just every day just go, God, why, why do I have this job? I don't think God wants that for you. Yep. It's okay to say, man, I really love the fish. He just wants to know, do you love me more? I'll just say this in closing. You know what it's all about? It's all about what you love most. First yep. Corinthians chapter 8. Let's go there and we'll close. Oh, by the way, the next major event, if you were to take John 21 and just kind of go to the right a little bit, you'll learn about two significant events that Peter's at the center of. One is the, the finding of the new apostles and, and asking God to replace Judas and bringing the new apostles in. There's that one. And Peter's the one that stands up and says, men and brethren. The other one is the day of Pentecost. We all know how that ended up. 3,000 people getting added to the Lord. And who's at the center of that? Peter. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm convinced that if that narrative of John 21 never takes place, Peter's not the guy that God uses in Acts 1 and 2. Peter had to go through that. What was the vehicle God used to show Peter these things? It was his work. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Um, you say, what's going on? Paul's dealing with these Corinthian Christians and talking about idolatry. And look, look, look at, uh, I mean, they're, 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 these Gentiles come into the church, they're getting saved, but they got all this baggage from the world and from their heathen backgrounds. Look at first Corinthians chapter 8, look at verse 1. Now, as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. If any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing, yet as he ought to know. This is what I want you to look at. Look at verse 2. 
If any man love God, the same is known of him. You know how they know? You know how someone you know how God knows? You know how you'll know? You know how they'll know? You know how they'll know that you love God? The test is not are you willing to give up all your fish? The test is are you willing to love me more than them? Let's all stand. Father, we thank you so much for the time to get in your word. And God, we thank you for the time to study your Lord, to study Peter's life and looking at things there at the end. Lord, we understand that we have to deal with reality and the carnal world and things in this life and things that we don't always like. Uh, but Lord, we also understand that you use those things. You want those things, Lord, to be vehicles to show us things about ourselves, about you. And God, I just pray that as a people, as, as a church, we would be united, as was recently mentioned, Lord, around the idea that whatever we have, it's yours. My family's yours. My thoughts are yours. My ambitions are yours. My job is yours. My company is yours. My employees are yours. My children are yours. Lord, it's not mine. It's borrowed. You know, I think the reason why Paul says what he says in 1 Corinthians 8, he's talking about idolatry. Well, what's an idol? An idol is something that I'm willing to sacrifice to, okay? So he says, hey, in light of that, in light of that, Christian, maybe consider if you were willing to sacrifice to this, which wasn't even really God. You know how it's going to be known of you? That you love him? You're willing to sacrifice to the real one. And that sacrifice may not always be a vow of poverty. That's not the point of the message. The sacrifice might be, you know, Lord, I know that to make it ahead in this company, I got to be at the happy hour and I got to be at this. And the Lord says, well, that's fine, but count me out. See, that's where you go, okay, Lord, it's yours. It's not mine. Here's a couple questions to ask you. What do you wake up in the middle of the night thinking about? I'm not saying it's sinful, but I'll just say this. If if you wake up in the middle of the night thinking about everything and anything but the Lord, the problem is your 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 value system and what you love is off. You might love the fish more than you love the one that made them. I want you to remember that. More than these. He doesn't say, do you love these? And he doesn't say, do you love me? <laughs> it's a matter of priority. With your job... The Lord should be the goal. The job's not the goal. The job's the vehicle. To do what? To get you to shore and get you in fellowship with the Lord. That's all that matters in your life. Amen. Hope the Lord helped you tonight. Christian, let me say this. I'll say it one more time.
It's not because God needs it. It's for your benefit that he says, bring me those fish. Because I can take those fish, like he did with the 5,000, and I can help you, and I can help others. But you have to be willing to listen, and you have to be willing to go, here's the fish. Notice there's no argument from Peter. Peter's ready. And uh, Christian, I hope you are as well. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. And we'll be back at it by the grace of God here Sunday morning. Uh, we've got missionaries coming Sunday, Friday night, uh, gentlemen, Overcomers Ministry. And uh, be in prayer about that. Encourage you on your way out. Grab some of those Easter invites. If you haven't done this yet, maybe go to the office tomorrow and go, hey, it would mean a, the world to me. You would be my guest, my honored guest. And it would help me get to the front of the food line at church. Would you please come? <laughs> would you please come on Easter Sunday? Um, and uh, I'll, I'll, pray th- I'll pray that you guys do that. I'll pray that you do that. I'll pray that you say, okay, God, this is your boat. And if I feel stupid, so be it. I'm going to put myself out there. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Let's go, Lord, in prayer and ask for God's blessing uh, on what we just learned. Brother Mark, would you ask the Lord's blessing on please?